it was such a blessing to hear it, and it goes exactly along with what the Lord has put on my heart. It's just, it's just amazing. She asked that question, whatever it takes, or that statement, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, I'd be willing to break. Break my heart. And that's our subject this morning is brokenness before the Lord. Isn't that amazing how the Lord just absolutely brought the song and the message together on the same page? It's unbelievable. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I didn't talk to Jenny or anything like that. It is, uh, it is the Lord. Before we begin, though, shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you are alive and working in our hearts today. We thank you that you have a word for us. We've already given us a word through the song. It was so powerful, Lord. And we just pray that we would be willing to let you have your way fully with us and that you would break us, Lord. And just whatever you need to take from us, whatever you need to do in us and through us, do it for your glory. We pray that your Holy Spirit will take this word today and apply it to every life. And we pray, Lord, that you'll hide me behind the cross, that these words will not be my words, but your words, and that will have the effect that you want them to have. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Yes, it was a beautiful, beautiful song that Jenny sang this morning. I'd like to begin by asking ourselves a question today. And this question goes like this. How far do I want to go with the Lord? How close do I want to be with Him? How much of my life do I want to yield over to the Savior? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves individually. And it's a question that the Lord is burdening on my heart too because the Lord will never force Himself in our life. He'll never take more than we give Him. If we don't give Him everything, He won't force to take everything. But he wants us to, by an act of our will, surrender everything to him and say, Lord, break me. You know, there was a book written by Bill McDonald a number of years ago that stirred a lot of controversy among Christians because of its uh, content and its title, Lord, Break Me. If you are serious with the Lord and you make that prayer, Lord, Break Me, guess what? He'll answer it too. But it's going to be through much, uh, Bill's laughing, through many trials, through much affliction and through much pain, the Lord will break you. It's like one of those prayers, Lord, give me patience. And he's going to send things that are going to test that patience. He's going to send impatience to test our patience. And that's the way it is. But, it, you know, it's a very good barometer of the spiritual life when we can ask ourselves, how broken are we before the Lord? You know, we still have this old nature in us. It's going to be there till we get home to glory. And there's still going to be that pride and that self-will. It's got to be broken. It's got to be crucified daily in order to be effective in our life. And we're going to see how much importance that is in the Word of God on the subject of brokenness. Webster's Dictionary gives a couple of really good definitions of brokenness that I like or broken. Subdued, trained, tamed. Demoted in rank. Yes, true spiritual brokenness is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Take my will. Take my life. Take my all and take control. That's what real brokenness is. It's not having any will of our own, but saying, Master, you love me to the extent you did. You gave all for me. Now I want to just yield my life over to you. I want to be broken before the Lord. Turn with me to a verse of Scripture that's very familiar to many of us. Psalm 51 and verse 17. Psalm 51 and verse 17. The other night, I was thinking on Wednesday night, 
the Lord wanted me to speak on that topic that I gave and, and I was going to give that message today. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it, but I don't have another topic for Sunday. So very soon thereafter, I mean, I was going home and I was praying that night on Wednesday night and the Lord gave me this verse and I said, thank you, Lord. And I meditated on it and studied it and it has been truly a blessing to me to consider this subject. But Psalm 51, beginning at verse, and we're just going to read one verse, 17. We know the context here. David, he had sinned against the Lord with Bathsheba. He'd committed murder. He committed adultery. God was pressing hard on his heart to repent and get right with him. And he finally did. And then he writes these beautiful words of repentance. And at the end of this, he says this in verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. We want to look at three things about the subject of brokenness this morning. First of all, brokenness in salvation. It's a key component to getting saved. Brokenness in salvation. And then secondly, brokenness in saintly living. In other words, in the way we live every day, God wants us to be broken. And then third, to be effective for him, brokenness in service. Brokenness in service. The Lord Jesus said something wonderful and powerful one day. He said this in Luke 14:11, "For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." You know, that's exactly the opposite of the world. The world says you want to get ahead, you've got to be proud, you've got to go for it, you've got to be aggressive, assertive, and just go. The Lord Jesus said, if you want to be exalted, if you want to be lifted up, you have to go down. You have to bow low. You have to be broken before me. And then I will lift you up in a wonderful way. Well, let's look first of all at brokenness in salvation. You know, I could ask this question, how can you be saved if you're not willing to be broken. How can you be saved unless you see the need of salvation? How can you be forgiven unless you see the need to be forgiven? And that's why so many people don't come to Christ today. They don't see their need. It's like if a person goes into the doctor, they feel they're sick, right? Or there's something wrong. They go into the doctor. But would you go into the doctor if you didn't feel sick? Or would you go into the doctor if you didn't have an injury? Or if you hadn't had an accident? No, you wouldn't go into the doctor. Well, Jesus is the great physician. He wants to heal us. He wants to mend our lives. And he wants to give us peace and salvation. But we have to see our need of him. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, and there are a lot of people today who say, Well, that's all fine and good, but I'm living a good life. I haven't hurt anybody. I've given a lot of money to charity. I've been good. I haven't done any of those major sins. I've never committed adultery, never murdered anybody. I've never done this or this. I think God will accept me. I think God will accept me. But that's exactly what the Bible is teaching here that it won't do. God doesn't accept us by our works. We can never do enough because the Bible says that we're all sinners and we cannot enter into heaven without a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to come to Him in repentance, in humility, in brokenness. I remember a number of years ago when Bill used to, sh he'd share his testimony and he says, I got saved. 
down at a hotel in Oakland, the Leamington Hotel. I don't know if that hotel is ever still there or not, but guess what? Bill got saved in a room in that hotel many years ago. He was an atheist. He didn't know Christ. He didn't want anything to do with the Lord. He used to put down Christians, he told us. But that day, God got a hold of his life and he was broken. He was broken at that point. He saw himself for the first time as spiritually bankrupt. No hope without God in this world and needing to be saved. And he accepted Christ in his life and the Lord changed him and he's been a man of God ever since. And that's the story for all those who come to Christ. We have to be broken before him. We have to come not on our own merit, but on his merit and come before him like that. In my line of work, in our business, in the mortgage business, we deal with a lot of people that go bankrupt. And it's very sad. They lose it all sometimes. They go bankrupt. And spiritually, though, everyone without Christ is bankrupt. They have no standing with God. And they need to be saved. And we pray that if you're here today and you're spiritually bankrupt, you'll come to the one who has all the true riches in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. I read a story back in the book of Daniel. It's a familiar book to many of us, but the character we don't often associate with this subject of brokenness, humility and repentance, and the the person is Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was the proudest king, I think, that has ever been found in the world. He was so proud. And and yet we can see the pride in our own lives, too. And we're going to see through this story. But he was so proud. One day he got up and he says, Is not this great Babylon that I have built a dwelling by my mighty power for the honor of my majesty? Oh, is that pride? I mean, the pride was dripping off him like the sweat rolls off prison when they're exercised. I mean, it was dripping off of him. And before he could even get out those words, God's voice came back to him and said this, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall, and, and it'll happen seven times, it shall pass over you until the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And that's exactly what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven into the wilderness. He lived like a beast for as many as seven years. That seven times can really be seven years. And he was out there. It says his fingernails grew like bird's claws. His hair grew like eagle's feathers. And all these things happened to him, to this proud man. But it took time for him to break. Seven years. Do you think that's pride? It took seven years for God to break his pride. Seven years. Some of us take more than that to come to Christ. But he wants to break you. He wants to break me. And he wants to bring you to salvation. He wants to do spiritual heart surgery on you. And that's exactly what he wants to do. And it's always for our good. Always for our good. But there's a happy ending to the story of Nebuchadnezzar because he went out into the wilderness there those seven years and he became this man out there and he came back and listen to what he said when he came back. He's quoting, he's quoting the story. He says, I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. I praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all of whose works are truth and His ways justice. And all those who walk in pride, He is able to bring down. The proud king could say, God broke my pride. He broke my will. 
I was so proud that I thought this was what I have achieved. This is what I have done. This is my kingdom and my majesty and all my glory. And I realized it's nothing compared to the King of Heaven, the Lord God. He alone has salvation. He alone brings us eternal life. He alone is our Lord and Savior. But we have to ask ourselves today, are we going to persist in our pride and say, no, I'm not going to accept Christ. I'm going to do it my way. You know, Frank Sinatra sang that song and they still play it sometimes on the radio. I did it my way. Isn't that sad? It really is sad, those words, when you think about it. Because one day when a person stands before the great white throne judgment, that could be the theme song that's going to play for every person that came. I did it my way. I did it my way. I did it my way. And your way is ending you in hell. Now, the person who's saved, the theme of that song is, I did it God's way. I did it God's way. I did it God's way. And that brings you eternal life and salvation. That's the choice. You can either do it your way or you can do it God's way. But if you're going to do it God's way, you have to bow your heart and your head and your hands before Him and say, Lord, I break before You. I need You. I need You desperately. Please save my soul. Please come into my life and change me. And He will do that for His own glory. So brokenness and salvation, that's the place it starts. But guess what? It doesn't end there. Because just because when we get saved, we're broken that one time, brokenness is a daily process that we need to have with the Lord. We need to be broken before Him daily. That's why in our lives today, David says these words, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Lord, oh Lord, you will not despise you know, we need, to be pro- we need to be broken. I know I'm the first one to raise my hand and say, I've got a lot of pride. And the more I study this message, the more I say, I'm right there with Nebuchadnezzar. I really am. Pride. The pride of man. And it's so ugly. Someone once said, pride is a disease that makes everyone sick except the person that has it. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, you think you're doing great. You're just proud and you think you're doing great and you're making everybody else sick by your pride. My pride, it's ugly. It's ugly. And you know what it does every morning, every day? It rears its ugly head up and you have to beat it down again. Because that pride is there. It's there in my life all the time. And so when you think about it, sometimes what God does in our lives is He brings pride breakers into our life. Now, you know what I'm talking about, pride breakers. People that come into our life that will break our pride. Now, it may be your boss. You may have your boss as a prime example of a pride breaker. Because no matter how hard you do your job and you do it well and you get it just right, he finds something to criticize. He finds something wrong with it. You better do it over or you better do it this way or that way. A pride breaker. Or a pride breaker could be a co-worker that just like sandpaper rubs you the wrong way every day. You try to be nice to them. You try to greet them with love. You try to tell them about the Lord. They don't want to hear it. They're a pride breaker because they they give you such a hard time. Or a pride breaker, God forbid, could be a spouse or it could be your kids. Sometimes God allows that spouse or or those children to break your pride. You think, boy, I'm the head of this household. Yeah, right. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't work that way. And God allows these things to break our pride. And we need that because sometimes we get so full of ourselves. It's like this man that went 
home to his wife, you know, and he had heard this seminar now how he should be so, you know, aggressive and everything. And he went to his wife and he says, okay, wife, he said, what I want you to do, I want you to put, cook my dinner right now and put it on the table and I want you to get my clothes ready and I want you to do this and I want you to do that. What are you going to say to that? She said, you better call the mortician. (laughs) You're in trouble if you try to make demands like that. But God allows our pride as ugly as it is, to be exposed and then it has to be broken. Sometimes it could be a neighbor. Have you ever had like a nosy neighbor or somebody that's always getting into your affairs and everything? Pride breaker. That's a pride breaker. It really breaks our our pride. Well, that's what happened in David's life. David had a lot of pride breakers in his life. One of them was his own son, Absalom, who pursued him and wanted to kill him and took away his kingdom. Saul was another pride breaker. He was always after David to hurt him and kill him. But he had one pride breaker that we're going to mention today who you may have heard of because I remember Sylvia gave a message on it a long time ago, Shimei. Shimei was a pride breaker. Now, this man Shimei knew that David was going away from Jonathan. He was fleeing from, I mean, from Absalom. And he was following David. So as David and his men were walking along the side of the road, he was like up on a hill. And he was looking down on David and he was throwing rocks at him. He was throwing dust in the air. He was cursing David. He was really giving David a hard time. This is what he said. Come out. Come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. This is what he said to King David. So then one, then over there on the side was David, one of David's generals, Abishai. And Abishai said to David these words. He said, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me take his head off. Don't we feel like that sometimes? Lord, let me take their head off. No, no, no. David says, no, you can't do that. You cannot do that. He said this. He said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? Yes, David realized that God placed Shimei there to break his pride. He realized that. And he realized it very much. And we should realize that, too, that God allows shimmies in our life. He allows pride breakers in our life because we get proud. And he wants to break that pride, that self-will, that selfishness that is in the heart of every one of us. And he wants to do it for his own glory. You know, when he says here, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, that God will not despise it. God cannot resist us when we come before him in humility in brokenness, in contriteness. He will not resist you. You come to Him and ask for forgiveness, He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will help you. But when you come in a spirit of pride, it's not going to work. Not going to work. We have to come in brokenness before the Lord. But you know, as long as we hold on to our pride, as long as we hold on to our pride, we'll never grow spiritually the way God wants us to grow. We can't. We cannot grow while we hold on to that pride. We have to, because the Bible says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if I'm holding on to my pride, that tells me something. God's against me. And I don't want that. Do you? Do you want to be resisted by the Holy One, by God Himself? No, we don't want that. The devil's original sin was pride. And it's an ugly sin. It's a wretched sin. And I don't want it in my life. I want the Lord to break me of it. And if we pray, Lord, break me, He will do that. It might be painful, but it's going to be for our good. It's going to be for my good. He wants to take us to new heights like Jenny was singing today. But He says, 
If you want to go there, Dean, you can. But you've got to be willing to surrender. You've got to be willing to be broken. And that's a very, very hard thing to do. Daily, coming before the Lord and surrendering to Him. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And haven't we seen that in our lives today? We've seen the most proud people. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to say, I, yes, I'm, I'm wrong. I violated the law or whatever. Very proud. And I found a good test. There's seven things that will test your pride and see how proud you are. So listen to your... You can rate yourself one to ten if you want while you listen to this. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. First one. How proud am I or how humble am I when I get criticized? Now, we don't like to get criticized. It breaks our pride. But sometimes the Lord brings somebody into our life that gives us criticism, constructive criticism, even sometimes unconstructive criticism. And it really breaks our pride. Secondly, what happens when we get insulted? Somebody just comes flat out and insults you. How do you react to it? It's either going to tell whether you're humble or whether you're proud by how you react to it. How about when you're ignored? That's a bad feeling. That's a bad feeling when everybody's talking around you and you're trying to get somebody to listen to you and nobody's listening. They're ignoring you. That, that tests our pride. How about when you go into a store or into a bank or into Costco or whatever it is and you have to wait? Oh, that tests my pride. Why do I have to be in this line? Why can't I be over here in this line? It does. It's, it's in our lives. It's in our nature. We don't like to wait. And that's a way that we can see how proud we are. How about when we feel we've been blamed unfairly. That's another one that will really test your pride. Or sometimes this happens to me at work every once in a while when somebody yells at us and uses bad language. That's a tough one because we want to just fight back. We want to just load up the armor and just give it back to them with both barrels. And the, and the Lord says, settle down, be calm, be humble, be broken, duck under them. And that's, that's tough to do. How about when somebody pulls you over to the side of the road, a traffic officer, and says you were speeding? Are we, are we proud and say, well, I wasn't speeding. I wasn't going that. Or do we say, I'm sorry, officer. Yes, I was. And accept the ticket. You know, these kind of things really test where we're, whether we're humble or not. Sometimes we think we're humble until something happens. And then we say, Lord, I wasn't as humble as I thought. I, I got a lot of pride, a lot of pride. And you know what really tests our, our pride and humility more than anything else? Not only some of those things, but how about when we succeed? How about when we win at something? How about when we achieve a victory? Do we get proud? Do we start thinking, I did pretty good. I won. I got a, an A on the test. I, I did really well. I got the promotion at work. That should bring us to humility because we should realize that we couldn't have done it without the Lord. But it really does test us in the area of pride and we can see how humble we are. And we can see really how proud we are. And then the final thing, not only is there brokenness in salvation and brokenness in our spiritual lives, but also there's brokenness in service. So many people today, as soon as they get saved, I want to serve, I want to serve, I want to serve. And they're not ready to serve yet. What it takes is God's training time. God's God's way. That's why Bill McDonald called it one time. He said, lifetime is training time for reigning time. And I like that. Lifetime is training time for reigning time. If you want to be a servant or you want to be a leader in the church someday, just realize this. You've got to be broken. Adel went through breaking. 
Bill went through breaking. Mike went through breaking. Our elders. All of us have to go through it. You can't live in a bubble or in a glass house and try to avoid pain and try to avoid breaking. He wants to bring that into our lives so that we learn to feel with others who go through it. And he wants us to be broken before him. Sometimes I think there are so many spiritual midgets in the church today. Midgets because they've never grown through affliction and through breaking. They've never been broken. But God cannot use anyone who is not broken before him. And you know, it comes out. So many times we think, well, I don't want to do that ministry. Somebody offers you to do a ministry and it's too low for us. No, I don't clean floors. Sorry. I don't do bathrooms. No, no, I don't do bathrooms. Uh, no, I can't come and open the church that early. No, mm-mm, sorry. And we have a list of things that we won't do. One, two, three down the list. I want to do this. I want to teach a Sunday school class. I want to preach. I want to, I want to be a missionary. I want to do those glamorous things, things that are so glamorous. Well, number one, they're not glamorous things. They're hard work too. But whatever God gives you to do, if you do it with all your heart, He's going to bless you. But you still have to be broken. And our pride really comes out when we do something for the Lord. Nobody thanks us. And we say, wow, I did all that. Nobody thanked me. And I want to do this. I want to sing like Jenny, or I want to sing in the choir, or I want to do this or that. God says, I've called you to this. Accept it humbly. Do it with all your heart, and you will be so blessed, so happy. And that's exactly what happens to us. May the Lord help us to realize we've got a lot of pride and a lot of breaking to do. And let's say, Lord, start today. Start today working on me. Now, that means when you get up on Monday morning, there's going to be some shimmies there, probably. There's going to be some pride breakers. There's going to be some people and things that are going to happen. But guess what? That brokenness process is the best thing that could ever happen to you. The best thing that could ever happen to me. And I'm waiting to see what God is really going to do through this message because it is a humbling thing when we look at ourselves and we see how much pride we have. And we say, Lord, I don't want to have that. I want to be humble. I want to have a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart that just wants to please you, that wants to love you and that wants to serve you. So may the Lord encourage us today to realize that brokenness occurs at salvation when we come to him. And it also occurs and should occur every day of our lives because we do have this pride and we need to say, Lord, break me. It's a, it's a short prayer. Lord, break me. Three words, three words. But one of the hardest prayers you will ever make is those three words. Lord, break me. We'd like to all, always pray something else. Lord, help me to do this and help me to do But when we say, Lord, break me, he will. But that's what he wants to do. To give us a soft, gentle, contrite, humble heart that says, Lord, whatever it takes. Like Jenny sang in that song. Whatever it takes, Lord, to make me more like you. Think of that movie we saw recently on the Passion of Christ. Think how much he loved us. He loved us that much. He was willing to be broken for you and I. He was willing to be broken. Shouldn't we be willing to be broken for him and say, break my will, Lord. Break my will so I don't have any will of my own. Break my will. Break my pride. Lord, defeat it. Conquer it in my life. Break my stubbornness. Break everything, Lord, and let me just come before you and fall down before you and say, yes, Lord. May the Lord encourage our hearts today to say, Lord, give me a broken heart and a contrite heart. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, this is a very convicting message to me 
And it's a very convicting message, I'm sure, to many of us. Because this old nature has so much pride in it, Lord. And sometimes we think we've grown and we think, boy, I'm, I'm pretty humble. And then something happens and we say, Lord, I'm not as humble as I thought I was. I need you to conquer this pride. And I want to have a broken and a humble heart. Lord, please speak to our hearts through this day and through this week. Help us, Lord, to be more like you. And whatever it takes, Lord, whatever pride breakers you bring into our lives, do it for your glory, Lord, and help us to, through it, become more like Jesus. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Amen.